This week on Security Weekly, Alex Horan from Onapsis joins us in our stories for the week. Bash on Windows, it's too good to be true. Also, how to defeat ransomware even, and much more. So stay tuned. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things getting sniffed, and the cocktails flow steady. It's Paul's Security Weekly. Security Weekly is brought to you by Black Hills Information Security, the leaders in penetration testing and active defense. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to request a quote today. The SANS Institute, the most trusted source for computer security training, certification, and research. Visit sans.org to explore the full curriculum and latest training offerings. Onapsis, the leading provider of solutions to protect ERP systems from cyber attacks. Customers can secure their SAP and Oracle business-critical platforms from espionage, sabotage, and financial fraud risks. Visit them on the web at onapsis.com. Pony Express. Check out their line of penetration testing devices, including the Pone Pad, the Pone Phone, and the Pone Pro. For enterprises, there's Pone Pulse, providing continuous visibility into wired, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth spectrums across all physical locations, including remote sites and branch offices. For all those hard-to-reach places, there's Pony Express. Visit them on the web at PonyExpress.com. Welcome, everyone, to Security Weekly. This is your host, Paul Asadorian, and it's March 31st, 2015. This is episode number 458. Very excited to be here this evening. Here with me in studio is none other than Mr. Jack Daniel. Hey, hey, it's me. And we got drinks. We got drinks. Yeah, we got cheers. dark and stormies. Dark and stormies. Dark and stormies going dark and stormies. here. Good to good to be in studio. Uh, I don't get here often enough anymore, but good to be in studio with you. Yes, yes, it's wonderful to be here. Mm. It's going to be a lot of fun this evening. Yeah. On the lines via Skype, Mr. Carlos Perez is here with us. Welcome, Carlos. Hey, Paul. Happy to be here. Mr. Joff Thayer is on the lines via Skype as well. Welcome, Joff. G'day, Paul. It's good to be good to be back again. I love the fact, by the way, in the credits, John Strand is pretty much tackling me on the show, which is just awesome. Yes. Anyway, he was uh, inebriated. Inebriated tackling. There you yes. Go. Good to see you again this lovely Thursday evening. Yes. Uh, quick announcement: Infosec Worlds happening next Monday and Tuesday. It's actually going on from April fourth. Through the 6th, I'll be there presenting on Tuesday, and uh, Security Weekly will uh, will actually have a table in the vendor area, and uh, I'm going to be giving away t-shirts in exchange for business cards and getting on our mailing list. Sweet. Free Hack Naked shirts. Sweet. How can you beat that? Can't beat that. All right. Hey, and you'll be in Orlando <clears throat> instead of here where there's snow in the forecast for Monday night and Tuesday. <clears throat> Stop it. 
Didn't it snow? Because no, last time they said it was going to snow. I mean, it snowed, but it was... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, at this point in time, we're done. Stop. Right. Don't even, don't even joke about it. It's no longer funny. It's not an April Fool's joke. We're done with snow. Yes. And you know the old story. You've got to wait for April 15th before you're actually finished. With well, the, 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 yes. Space Rogue and I were going back and forth the other day on Twitters about the, the monstrous April Fool's storm of many years ago that was just savage. Savage. What is this savage. you talk about? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. What is this white? I love Carlos. White what is stuff. this white fluffy thing? Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> On the lines via Skype, our very special guest for this evening is no stranger to Security Weekly. He's no stranger to me. Oh, I'll keep you guessing on that one. Yeah. He's been Alex. I think you were on episode one. I was. Were, did you actually talk? Were you talking on episode one, or you were just physically there? I don't remember. Com at the time, but Security Weekly ever drank. What's that? I bought the first round of beers that was ever drunk on your podcast. Yes, yes. You should put that on your LinkedIn, dude. That's should, some serious, right? Um, some yeah. serious cred right there. <laughs> uh, I have a bio for you, and it says all kinds of stuff about you. But your um, product manager, you like to drink with us as is evidenced by episode one, buying the beers. Uh, Alex is uh, frequently found at the cons, usually commiserating with us and getting into trouble. We haven't gotten into trouble in a long time, no, Alex. I noticed that, actually. Uh, we had, like, kids like, ready for the Swift cuts. Yeah, we're getting old. It's terrible. It's, ter- it's like we're it's responsible now. Yeah. Don't worry, you grow out of that, and then you get older, <laughs> and then you're like me. The kids, the kids grow up, and then you become yeah, irresponsible yeah. again. <laughs> hey, it's working I, for I, me. I was about to say that I'm on the end of like where my kids are like 17 and 20, and yeah, I'm getting irresponsible again, so fuck that. Oh, oh beep, beep. Okay, there we go. It's a family show, right? It's, a, well, it's PG-13, so as long as that's the only F-bomb in the show, you're all right. Like, There's a, a limit. Now that's just a challenge for everyone else. I realize I just screwed myself. Just... <laughs> oh boy! Alrighty, so, so Alex, how about if we talk to Alex? Let's yes, yeah, let's do that. that. <laughs> I'm clean. I'm sorry, up. I'm just I'm a little off tonight. I don't know. I don't. I haven't been drinking enough. That's you my haven't problem. been. I, and these are kind of these are summary, refreshing strength, not fall out <clears throat> of the chair. Early, see, see, you need to make me something the, stronger. At some point, we need to talk to Alex, though. No, but that's the problem. That's the problem, Paul. Your um, your alcohol blood ratio is off. It is. You know, trust yeah. trust me. With the Australian nationality, we always make sure that is not the case. It's actually built into a. I think we actually get a certificate of birth. Can we, can we continue? The, legal, can right? we continue yeah. going further and further? Did, Joff, did you see the uh, the the <laughs> prehistoric drop bears were real? Oh, really? Yeah, no, I they, didn't see they that found that they're like dinosaur, you know, archaeological remains of giant um, carnivorous koalas. Oh, so so back in um, 1982, when I ran over a koala in my Volkswagen 1600, I was <laughs> actually on the right track then. That's right. They, they, now, the, the, yeah. yeah, the, 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 Wait, the drop thought- bears have been gone for a while. The SSH server that is used in embedded systems? No, that's so oh. you know when you you know when you go out and they send you when you go camping for the first time and the, the scouts or whoever send you on a snipe hunt with the bag and you get so it's just one of those things that like the the way you uh, 
If you go out in the, in, in the wilderness alone in Australia, you have to be careful because the drop bears will drop out of the sky, and the next thing you know, you're flat on the ground, and they'll kill you. And Joff okay, can, t- Joff let's can talk tell it to better. Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely need to talk to Alex. <laughs> yeah, talk, to, talk about New Zealand. Nothing will kill you in New Zealand. <laughs> That's right. You're from, yeah, you're from New Zealand. You're in a car. Alex, what what did you want to talk about tonight? <laughs> I have all this wonderful stuff prepared, yep. but I wanted to see what you wanted to talk yeah. about. Yeah. I know you've probably got four pages of notes and back have- research. Yeah, you're you're such a professionalist. That's what I admire about you. Yes. Uh, no, actually, uh, so uh, it's, I had an interesting experience this morning, which is I went to the doctor for the first time in about three years because um, uh, I have this running joke with my family where. We have a few family members who unfortunately have uh, uh, battled with cancer and the kind of the running joke is they were fine until they saw a doctor mm. and then the doctor told them they had cancer. So if they'd never seen the doctor, they would have lived forever type of thing. And it's kind of, I still think that's the same way uh, with security that a lot of organizations think, well, if I don't look for vulnerabilities, uh, <laughs> then I don't have any. So therefore, I'm secure. Oh, wow. Why am I laughing at that? Because yes. that's so true. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. The object lesson here is: don't go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> if it's the one thing you can take away, children. That's that's what I want you to learn. I had a Apple similar a experience when I started at Tenable. And why Jack's laughing? I was the product evangelist for Tenable. Was my first role. And say, yeah, I'm NASA's putting they're like product evangelist. And they're like, well, I, I don't run. It tells me way too much stuff about my network. And I'm like, well, don't you want? No. I, then I have to fix all that stuff. <laughs> Why would I want to know if there's yeah. problems? <laughs> and, that's, and, and that's pretty much your world when it comes to SAP. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same thing. I get uh, Tenable is, uh, announces with SAP. It's people who literally, not not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people who think ignorance is truly bliss. Like, Finding this means I have to fix it. Not finding it means I have plausible deniability and I can maybe get away with the breach that happens because I can claim, well, I never knew. This is not, I shouldn't be expected to know. And I just think it's a universal challenge, not just for, for us, but you know, we are, and I especially am trying to do a lot of education about it's, it's better to know and to come up with a plan and fix this than to just just live in this blissful ignorance and then become a headline, become uh, well, not even a headline, but just have to live through, I have to rebuild 20 servers because suddenly all the data on them is, is rapidly disappearing or is being zipped up and I can't get to it anymore. Um, so I came here with no fixed agenda. I came here because basically it's the only way I can le- legitimately drink uh, in the afternoon and claim that I'm working. Um, but I just wanted to kind of talk security and talk about the challenges that I think a lot of people are facing which is you know raising up security awareness in the enterprise and, and getting so, business people to care. So, Alex, um, I did read a story on SAP security that mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about. I don't know. Did you see the uh, German researchers uh, that demonstrated a full compromise of SAP solution manager? Did you see this oh. article? I don't know if I saw that article, but as soon as you say solution manager, think Active Directory for SAP. Think I gotcha. One system that has full access to all the other SAP systems. And so uh, you provision user accounts in Solution Manager? What Solution Manager is does is a number of things, but it uh, basically the big thing SAP and SAP customers are worried about is uptime. Like I need my systems yes. to run, I need transactions to execute in you know, milliseconds, you know, like very quickly. And one of the benefits of Solution Manager 
is it analyzes every single SAP system you have and says, okay, there's a bottleneck here or I got you. things. That, uh, but to do that, it has very extensive access to all of those systems, which anyone, if you have access to the solution manager, you piggyback on that access and you have full access or effectively oh, full access. So you'll be happy to know, SAP customers not so much, that there's some default passwords that are hard-coded into yes. Solutions Manager. And apparently this uh, affects when you create a new user, there's a wizard, and the wizard puts a default password of init1234. Yes. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> so hey, you so might want to try that just on some of your customers, Alex. The wizard, the wizard forces you to drop your pa- uh, pants in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Paul, you were in my the oh, wait, last wait. week one of my customers about how their SAP stuff got compromised, didn't you? No. I, all I did was read this article, and it came from the register of all places. Uh, yeah. I, I, had, I had a call with a customer in Central America, an old customer of mine that I did a penetration test and an audit, and he all of a sudden calls me that they've been compromised by several of their vendors in their docking in their warehouse. And it turns out that um, they had so many restrictions in the system when the vendors came in to drop their stuff and they had to go into the terminal and enter everything in that um, they were the only guys with that system and decided to go into the web and watch a couple of videos on how the SAP stuff worked. And all of a sudden in the YouTube video, they see that they put the password in it, one, two, three, four, and they go like, huh, let me try that in the, uh, in, in the terminal that I'm working on. Oh, it works. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of their vendors were super happy, and all of them were, and they start noticing that all transactions were under one single account for all vendors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brilliant. So, yeah. Brilliant. so, Alex, do you find that SAP is not uh, inexpensive? Yes. Do you find people think that because they've paid a lot, it's going to be secure? Better or whatever, secure, I mean, yeah. by, secure mm-hmm. by default. Yeah. Well, I mean, because people think you okay. pay a lot for it, it's going to be good, and it's like, well, it may be good at what it's supposed to do, but it's not, you know. Yeah. yeah. It does what it, it does what what it's supposed to do very well. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. So what we find is it 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 is incredibly expensive, um, which means it's the business who's deciding and spending the money, not Infosec. Right. Like it's a business decision to have it. And in the majority of cases, it just doesn't occur to the business to even put in a clause or, or, or have the – typically it's a third party who will actually do the implementation for them. And it's it's not an explicit part of that agreement that it should be secure, etc. Um, and so what the third party will do is just either follow their standard practice, which might be an old practice and therefore include uh, – not include the latest security information. Uh, and SAP by design is – very interoperable, so they it's it's things are open by default, and you need to choose which things you need to be open, so you can communicate with other systems and other business processes, uh, but turn off the things you don't. And that third party might not turn them off. I mean, that's extra time, that's extra, you know, might not be included in the contract, so they configure it to do what you need, and you never told them to turn off the things they don't need, and so you end up uh, more often than not with a, a system that's kind of you know has these configuration vulnerabilities, and that's. A big part of the vulnerabilities we see are not what we would consider missing patches, like you know the code. There's a buffer overflow, but there's uh, 
you know, these default passwords are, are still allowed. Uh, you can you can fix that. You can turn that off, but no one told them not to. So, you know, they still have standard user accounts or custom user accounts with these default passwords, or anonymous access is allowed, etc. Um, so it's the the challenge is, and it's changing now, which is which is good. But I still talk to infosec teams who say, oh, up until X months ago. We were told you can't go near these SAP systems. They're too critical. Like, and you know, this is like, like the equivalent of SCADA. They're critical, or SCADA. They're critical, but they're fragile. So don't even VOM scan them because they might break. And now, but, wait, told, but why? If I paid so much for this software, is it not resilient enough so that I'm worried about it might crash? Yeah, it's, <laughs> so you're coming at it with the mind of a security person where, where this is the, the thing. The business just wants the business process to work it. And, and SAP actually will very, won't crash. It will just be vulnerable so the data or the processes can be corrupted, which obviously is just as bad as a crash, if not worse, because at least you know it crashed. Right. I don't know if someone I want, it, I want it to be resilient and have integrity, mm -hmm. right? If I paid a lot of money for yeah. the software. No, no, no. Paul, look, the analogy is... The girl is naked in the street, and she dances on the pole. That's all you care about. Wait, uh, what does this where have you, to do with software? You, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it took Lost. us this long to I get mean, here, but I'm, I don't know where we are. I'm <laughs> buying whatever you're selling, Joff, but I just I don't know what it is. Here's my checkbook. But The thing I think Alex is saying is the business process is to be able to effectively dance on the pole. We don't care if she's naked. And vulnerable. No, I still. No, Paul cares if she's naked. I, 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 I do. Yeah. I no, no I, I do. I do care about that. Actually, but you care, and I care, but we care because we're security professionals, and we weren't included in the decision about we need a girl dancing on a pole. So later on, after the fact, I, 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 I knew. But is it there? Is it there an expectation that if there's a Someone dancing on a pole that they're naked? That you're at a sales meeting? Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> right, sales kickoff. <laughs> I think one of the problems with SAP is just its complexity. Every time I have had to set up SAP or work with a customer mm -hmm. that is in the middle of a setup, there are just so many moving parts and so many stuff that needs to be set up in the correct way or stuff doesn't work that just creates that fear of people of touching it going like no 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 dude did you saw all this stuff we had to do to set up this don't touch it don't touch it or it's did sorry. you saw how how much money we had to spend i i actually have to friends that make hundreds of thousands, uh, thousands of dollars every year only doing sap installs because they're just so freaking darn complex and difficult one of them made over $300,000 in one year, just flying out and doing six installs in one year. And for those of you who are thinking, nah, it can't be like that, I just would say Microsoft Exchange, because we've all been there with that, too. If you've ever run Exchange, you get it working, you're like, do not touch anything. Right? So take the level of complexity and scale it way up. And you're but getting Microsoft, close to SAP. <clears throat> Microsoft, and it's an interesting that we pre-recorded the interview for next week. And one of the things James Line was saying is that Microsoft done a, a good job, not necessarily making their software better, but making it harder to exploit. So right. when you do get Active Directory working, 
you have a little more faith that it does have integrity because there are protections in place. And maybe they haven't fixed every vulnerability in every line of code, but right. they've made it harder to exploit. Now, they, they've made it when we go look at SAP, and I look at this article that I found this week, and there is clearly a default password. I mean, it doesn't get any more ridiculous yeah. when it no, comes to insecurity. No default password, default permissions uh, on files, default permissions for demo accounts. It, it has quite a large attack surface. Um, I, I think one of the things that actually protects SAP from many researchers is just that complexity of getting installed, mm. that when you're setting it up, it tells you, no, I need 16 gigs of memory. Oh, no, I think I can put eight. No, 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 you, give, yeah. you gave me eight. I need 16 gigs of memory. No, I need one terabyte of space to install it, or not, I won't. But it's just those requirements, that complexity. Also, going to their support portal and trying to download a freaking patch is so convoluted, so difficult, that I think that's, that all of that complexity is also one of the things that is protecting it to just people not yeah, finding think, uh, it. Yeah, in SAP's defense, they, they do release security notes, uh, but what, what we have is uh, customers who are reluctant, and someone mentioned this before, they're reluctant to make any change to the system. You know, we spend X amount of dollars on it. It's working the way we want it now. A change is a risk. You know, any change is a risk. Uh, and I don't want to be the guy who said make that change, and suddenly this business process fails for a, a you know, a... Uh, a, a shopping cart for a web application, which is 24 by 7. Uh, so, SAP, we, we find vulnerabilities, we disclose them, they respond quickly, and they issue notes. The biggest gap is how long it takes people to apply those notes or those patches to the systems. You know, they have a running system, it's working. The business has the, at the moment, the business has the authority about changes, and they don't want to make a, they, they don't see the reason why they should make a security change because they, they've never been breached before so therefore they never will be breached in the future you know even you know, if the first statement is truly true which in a lot of cases it's not um, it's people stealing data versus turning things off uh, that's the big challenge is uh, getting an organization to want to stay up to date uh, and we're seeing more and more doing it now but it's a it's a mindset change for them sorry we're just noticing that we decorate the set, and sometimes they use stuff to decorate that we actually use around here. <laughs> I, I, I use that keyboard. Yeah, I, 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 I was like, what is he looking at? It's like, oh, yeah. that keyboard he always uses. <laughs> it's just it's a decoration now. Yeah. It's fine. Did, did they take those nicks out of servers in the yeah. other room? <laughs> so, why can't I ping the server? <laughs> Someone why can't, the why can't I get on the wireless? Oh, yeah. the router's hanging on the wall. <laughs> I don't know how that relates to SAP. Uh, the complexity. Yeah, That's yeah. it. It's a better analogy than Joff is using it. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, Drop bears. Uh, so, <laughs> so what do you... It's interesting, Alex, because you provide a way to audit the security of SAP systems. Do you ever find yourself in the situation where you're talking with SAP about how they can improve security overall and worry that if they do that, your product will be obsolete? <laughs> yeah, I think we do. We, we get invited to actually present at mm -hmm. SAP to SAP developers for exactly that because like any large, like, like Blue Hat, like any large provider, there's groupthink and you need people from the outside to come in and say, yes, this is the way people should use your system, but there's a group of people out there 
who look at your system and actually think, oh, what have I did this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by definition, every security vendor, if the world got perfect, would all be out of business. Uh, right, right. You know, and, you know, but uh, if you found a cure for cancer, then there'd be a lot of other things. Like, I, I would like things to, I would like our job to be harder, our research team's job to be harder, our sales team, like coming in and showing you're living with this risk type of thing to be harder. Because so many of the world's uh, uh, transactions and things we rely on more than you realize um, run through SAP. And it's, you know, we hear it all the time about risk to critical infrastructure and other risks that we're living with. But there's a real risk with SAP, exactly as I think it was Carlos was describing. It's very hard to get an SAP system up and running, so it's hard to research it. But now Amazon is offering SAP systems you can turn on kind of on the fly. So the the barrier to entry is slowly lowering for security researchers to start looking for, for more issues. Uh, so I think, yeah, we will see a spike and then hopefully it will drop off and become harder. But the things we will find will be more critical. But the SAP could release a, an Uber patch tomorrow that would fix every vulnerability they have. And I know for a fact that a large proportion of the people I speak to won't apply that patch for right. Four or five years, at least. You know, and then that's four or five, five years. We have to find new vulnerabilities in the patch software. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it it almost companies. I mean, it's that'll be delightful. Imagine that. No, no more vulnerabilities. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, imagine that. I, I'm just wondering: is is this a hangover from sort of mainframe mentality, um, where you know, these monolithic software packages? were trusted purely by name and um, the fact that they had this huge sales and the fact that the business units handed over large bags of money to buy them sort of, I think we've already touched on this question. I'm repeating the question, yeah. uh, sort of uh, added to that um, intrinsic level of trust. I don't know if they add to the intrinsic level of trust, but what they are is they're incredibly painful to the point of view of people can't consider it. They're painful to to remove. Like you've invested all that money and all your critical processes run through them. People can't even comprehend how would I get rid of that and put in something else but would have zero impact to the business beyond maybe you know the, the money of, of doing that and how much would that even cost to do. So I think it's more of a people are committed to it or – tied to it, depending on your point of view, and they've already spent a lot of money and they want to minimize the rest of the investment in that system. So they, they have a scaled down set of people who are managing it, and these people are, in the most cases, only bonused on uptime. The only way they get you know performance bonuses is maintaining the uptime of the system. Security is not part of their uh, responsibility at all, it's keeping the system running. <coughs> But Alex, is it? Uh, I'm curious as to some of the roots of SAP. Uh, is it kind of like IBM? Like no one gets fired for buying IBM. I mean, yeah, obviously that's I not true today. Exactly, is it the yep. same thing with SAP? Yeah. And they I kind of so. gained people's trust like that, so that security never really entered the equation. Yeah, I think there is a part of that. I think we're seeing a, a, a shift right now, and SAP is acquiring kind of cloud-based services and, and deploying cloud-based services because I think, like every organization, they're seeing customers saying. I might be happy to run SAP, but I don't want to pay, you know, like if you've got SAP HANA, your RAM is measured in terabytes. I mean, I don't want to pay for that and maintain that and, mm-hmm. and have to scale that. 
Um, so they are making progressive moves to be in the cloud, to buy cloud-based services. But it is, I agree with you, it is, uh, it's an established brand. Almost every organization, every large organization runs it. So if you recommend it, you're not recommending this this kind of weird kind of new technology. You're recommending something that you can point to pretty much all of your competitors and say, well, they all run it. You know, we should be running industry standard stuff. And they are definitely industry standard. But it, it seems to me like SAPs are really not just a, a pain in the ass to deploy, which it sounds like they could fix by moving it to the cloud, but it's pain in the ass to configure. Like there's just so many moving parts. Is there like movements to, to make that better? It is, or is that like an underlying cause of some of the yeah. security problems? Is it just like Carlos was saying, trying to figure out how to, you know, get a patch and, and deploy it is difficult. And I find that with a lot of like big enterprise software like that, like it gets so big that it's just, it's so cumbersome to deploy, configure and maintain on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because one man's pain in the ass to configure is another man's, as Carlos said, $300,000 a year consulting fees <clears throat> and maintain and managing that for you and doing the deployment. So there's, uh, I think moving to the cloud, it has made it easier. So they have Hunter in the cloud, and I think it's a lot easier for people to spin things up. But now wait, the, no. But do they host it, or is that like I get my own instance of it kind of thing? They they host it, and there's some other people who will also host Hunter for you. Yep. Uh, but there's varying degrees of. You no, know, we maintain the hardware. You're still responsible for the for, software, right? Exactly. I'd like because I'd love to see the model where they maintain one instance of it. Everyone gets their own copy yeah. of it. Hey, mm -hmm. security patch comes out and it just gets applied. Yeah, and it doesn't I sound like that's the case, though. Not yet. I think they would yeah. like to do that. The problem is some of the patches they're not disruptive, but they really affect communication between different systems, and they they enforce mm -hmm. protocols or they enforce requirements that you know if you're running a payroll system or a financial reporting system, it just has to work. So the amount of testing you do before you deploy that patch, you know, is is really comprehensive. So, and that's just just one patch. I've heard of one company. It's a pretty significant issue where the way uh, two systems could talk to each other, it was anyone could impersonate the system and then run any transaction. And it took them two years to resolve that because they weren't sure of well, what are all the systems that have that need this communication and what transactions do they need to run. And they were just paranoid about blocking a legitimate system. And not being able to pay the employees, you're not or employees, sorry, or not being able to do a financial summary for the end of the year, and kind of, you know, getting fined by SEC, etc. So right. it, we see it's a very expensive exercise to do these uh, these remediation just to just to test and deploy a patch. Interesting. Well, it's one place that some availability of resources in the cloud should help to, if you can spin up an instance and. Yeah. Kind of poke at it, you know. Right. You still can't, you've always been a, a big system, fan of that, Jack. Yeah. It, 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 you're still not going to be able to test your production system to make sure it works, but at least you can see where they put the knobs and switches, and you know you mm -hmm. run up and, and take a look. Um, yeah, I mean, break it on somebody else's hardware, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> especially exactly. if it's snapped. Yeah. If you can, you know, grab an image and roll it back, or if it's if it's a test bed where you can just say, "Huh, that went sideways." Power it off, power it back on, and try again. Um, but not I like, mean, it is not so like complex. Code in JavaScript on a live website, it's fine. Who would do that? <laughs> nobody, nobody yeah, would do that. Yeah. Well, it seems it seems like a case where um, uh, that that the the business uh, well the financial impact of a security vulnerability 
would have to be demo- demonstrably, demonstrably, there we go. I can speak, really I can. Uh, demonstrably large, I mean, in order to make an impact on that business operational decision that's driving the whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it sounds to me like it would have to be a, a huge impact uh, in the bottom line before security is going to be paid attention to, considering mm-hmm. yeah. the, the kind of processes that SAP is dealing with. And not just the impact, the challenge is is proving the uh, the probability. So you, there are a lot of things. Like SAP, uh, as I said, they are very good now about releasing notes and it is, they have a scale like P1. They use CVSS scores to, to, to show the, the criticality of it. So they'll release something that is a CVS 9 or 10. Um, what what uh, we see is people having a, an issue or a challenge demonstrating to the business the likelihood because I'm sure the business hears all the time about you have this vulnerability, you have this security risk, you need to buy this software, you need to do whatever, you need to spend this money um, or make this decision. And so they've become a little bit immune to, well, every security person, whether it's an internal person or a vendor, will say that you know the risk is, is astronomical and every other business is being hacked by this. But what they're pushing back on and asking for uh, more detail on is the likelihood of exploitation or the likelihood of disruption. Uh, which is something obviously we've been working on, but is a you know it's a legitimate request by the business to say I could have all the high risks in the world, but if the probability is you know less likely than an asteroid hitting Earth, I'll live with that. So you need a way yeah. to prove like not just the risk you're living with, but the likelihood of the risk being realized. Yeah. So so it seems to me that that if uh, if and when accessibility changes, as you were saying, with uh, the increase in cloud deployments. Uh, accessibility from a security research perspective is going to the balance is going to shift yes and so one would think that uh, proving the likelihood of uh, incidents occurring is become is going to become easier for you over time uh, given the, and here I am master of the obvious right but 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 given the nature of, of cloud deployments and the fact that it's becoming going to become more accessible for security researchers but I yep. think that part of it though is even when researchers can take a closer look at it until, um, for better Mm -hmm. and for worse, until they have their um, MedStar hospital chain moment where, you know, now we've had our second or third healthcare organization that's hit by ransomware and MedStar goes back to paper for all of their hospitals in the Northern Virginia, greater DC area or wherever it is. Until it's, until your competitors, hopefully not you, are smeared across the evening news and the newspapers, um, it's all really theoretical. And you know, once once you see one, it's, you can shrug it off. And once you see a handful of them, you know, the the attacks on healthcare uh, organizations now have, you know, now the folks that have been trying to push healthcare security are having a little easier time convincing people there's a problem. Now it's getting resources, and we just don't see huge public uh, displays of SAP or other major ERP system compromises. And I think that's that's part of it. Yeah, and, and we don't want to be an ambulance chaser. You know? right. we, on the one hand, we hope that never happens, but on, you know, I definitely see your point. You know, and, and there's been some isolated cases, not isolated, there's been some cases where it's actually been reported. We hear of a lot more cases, but they're under no obligation to report the point report, sorry, the point of entry. Right. Uh, so it's a catch twenty two for us. It's like uh, we want things to people to be aware of the risk, 
and make a mature decision to get software like ours, or ideally, but software like ours to, to resolve it. We don't want the world to, to almost end right. for people to make that decision. <laughs> right. Oh, any other questions for, for Alex? Alex, anything you want to share about uh, SAP Security in general, your products, features, conferences, anything coming up? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to be, I think, at ISC Squared uh, in May in D.C. Uh, I'm, uh, we were talking about this before we went live. I've been off the circuit, so to speak, for a while, and I feel very, very disengaged uh, with people, which I, I don't like. Uh, very engaged with my family, which is obviously very nice, but I still need to find a better balance. Um, so I'll be out. Uh, if people want to learn more, they're more than happy to follow up with me. Um, as you guys know, I'm not a very big pitch guy. Uh, I think uh, your audience is intelligent enough to opt in, and they can find me through all the usual means if they want, and I can help them understand this better if they think it relates to them. But I'm just uh, excited to, to, like I said, have a, have a beer with you guys, albeit virtually, and just hear how you're all doing. So I appreciate you uh, having me on the show tonight. Alex, uh, I have five follow-up questions from the original five <laughs> questions to ask you. These are now five questions I ask everyone who's answered the original five questions oh, on the show. So I'm going to ask you the new five questions in kind of like a five questions redo. I was really just saying how many times I could say five questions in yeah. telling you about the five questions. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd, you'd find five ways to do it. Just to make yeah, it, that's right. Make it make complete loop. Yeah. So what is one thing about yourself that most people do not know? Ah, that I have a tattoo. Okay, I don't want to know where. Okay, no. do where's your tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> you said it was PG thirteen, so oh. let's just say it's uh, it's very rarely shown, except when you're hanging out with Security Weekly except, folks yeah, at a conference. Ha hanging out being the operative phrase. Yes. <laughs> Alex, choose a song that, in your opinion, best represents only one of the following. It's like a multiple choice. You pick a song. Huh. And you tell me what yeah. it represents. So it can be your song, a song that represents your life, or a song that you would play to get pumped up, or a song that, in your opinion, is the best breakup song. Oh, well, I think my song covers the first two, which is Don't Stop Believing. Yes. I think, you know, that gets you pumped up. And it's just <clears throat> like I, I'm a startup guy, I work at startups, I, I believe in the entrepreneurial spirit of, of everyone and uh, having worked at large companies before briefly and just feeling very constrained, like there's no, I mean, people work there and that's fine, obviously, it's a good thing because they make good products that I need, but for me it's about like either having a dream of your own or aligning with someone who has a, a dream and a vision that you're passionate about and then like following that and doing what it takes to follow that, which is what I'm doing here, so don't stop believing. As most people know, the popular game of Ask Grabby Grabby is played in teams of three. Choose two people other than yourself, obviously, to represent your team in the popular game of Ass Grabby Grabby. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. It's clearly yourself and Selena. I mean, who else would see? <laughs> it's a great team. Well, well done. We are um, world champion Ass yeah. Grabby Grabby players. In Put fact. in a lot of practice. That's right. That's right. If you could have dinner with one person, other than those you chose to be your parents, who would it be and why, alive or dead, fiction or nonfiction? I think uh, Barack Obama. Um, 
partly just have dinner with a with a current sitting president. I cannot understand why someone wants to be president. It just seems like a thankless job where, by definition, half the people think you're doing a terrible job no matter what you're doing, and uh, you can't please them. And I also feel, based on not a lot of fact, but a lot of watching of CNN and Fox News, that you don't have a lot of power. You have an illusion of power, but you really mm -hmm. don't have a lot of power. So I want to just understand the motivation and how he motivates himself. And then if this comes true in the next presidency, whoever's the current president, I just don't understand their motivation and how they derive kind of uh, satisfaction out of their work, where it seems to me like they're very... They don't have a lot of. They don't have the freedom that we think they have. I think they're very constrained in what they can actually do and say and that type of thing. And then for the rest of their lives, they have secret service with them all the time. Right. Like that. Mm. Just I don't understand it. So I would like to have dinner with a, a current sitting U.S. president to understand their motivation and what what drives them. Outside of the career you chose, or the career that chose you, if you could choose anything, what would be your fantasy career or job? Oh, this is easy. Growing up, Sherlock Holmes was my hero. So I would be, if I couldn't be Sherlock Holmes, I'd at least be a detective. Like, a, nice. like that for me was just, he was amazing as far as I was concerned. I read every Arthur Colin Doyle book. I've watched every derivation of Sherlock Holmes that's been made. Yeah, that's a no-brainer for me. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for appearing on Security Weekly again. My pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for having me. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Alex. Thank Stay you, tuned. Guys. Don't go anywhere. Cheers, Alex. Cheers, Alex.